We are right smack in the middle of this series on the Holy Spirit. And um, this morning, we are going to talk about the power of the Holy Spirit. Are you ready? Yeah, they gave it to the Presbyterian to talk about the power of the Holy Spirit. So uh, you guys are in for a treat, to say the least. So for many of us, maybe myself, when I think of the theology about the power of the Holy Spirit, this is, kinda, this is, this is my formula that makes sense to me. The Holy Spirit is part of the triune God. God is Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Individual persons, one God. The Holy Spirit, fully God. Just like Jesus, fully God. Just like the Father, fully God. The Holy Spirit, fully God. In Pentecost, in Acts chapter 1, we learn that at Pentecost, the Holy Spirit's going to come upon believers in power, and they're going to be God's witnesses. The Holy Spirit, God. God, the Holy Spirit, is going to now come and indwell believers with his power. Therefore, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. That's kind of when I think of the power of the, the theology of the Holy Spirit. That's how it makes sense to me. And I think there's a really simple way to illustrate this. One of my favorite uh, cartoons when I was a kid is all about the theology of the Holy Spirit. Check this out. My power sword. By the power of Grayskull. Yes. Amen. Sermon over. I was going to rip off my shirt and I was going to get after it. But I mean, that makes sense, right? I mean, sure, it was the power of grace school, but for Christians, it's the power of the Holy Spirit, right? Holy Spirit, God, the Holy Spirit comes and dwells as believers when we accept him as Jesus as our Savior. Therefore, we can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Now, the weird thing and the hard thing about the theology of the power of the Holy Spirit is if those things are kind of all true, most of us find ourselves in this weird middle of this pendulum. On one hand, it is like, well, if that is all true, then we are like He-Man, and we have the power, and whatever we think, whatever we imagine, whatever God says, man, I want to pray for this, like Jesus, you'll do greater things than me ever if you say it in my name. Well, if that's true, then we pray our guts out, and we want to be like these supernatural, powerful people that do things for Jesus, but do these great things. Or you're over here on the other end and you're like, uh, you know, like the, the people who score touchdowns at the end of the football game, like, oh, number one. Or I'm sorry, that's for Jesus, right? And they go, I did that, you know, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And as someone who lives in the middle, I mean, I feel like people say I'm cynical, but I like to say I'm more of a realist, you know? But I, I, have, I have a hard time with the people over here because I don't really see a lot of this experience of like the power of gray school, sort of Holy Spirit power. So I'm like, well, God, are, are you really alive and active? What do I do with that? Or on this end, there's plenty of people who don't love Jesus who still score touchdowns and win Super Bowls, right? So Jesus, I mean, so you've got to be able to do more than doing that as well. And so this morning, we're going to try to navigate this middle ground because I think that God actually has something for us as a church, as people of God, to think how do we who believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, part of the triune God, who actually indwells believers, who the Holy Spirit gives us power 
to then live the kind of life that God longs for us to live. And so this morning, we're going to um, unpack a passage of Scripture. So if you have a Bible, turn to Ephesians chapter 3. And this is a, an incredible prayer that Paul prays to the church in Ephesus. And in this one little prayer, uh, Paul prays um, about the power of the Holy Spirit three times. All right, so let's read this together. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through the Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have the power, together with all of the Lord's holy people, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all of the fullness of God. And now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine, according to his power that is work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever and ever. Amen. Now, usually I, I just like to camp out on verse 20. It says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we can ever ask or imagine, according to the power that is work within us. Man, that's where we want to get to. But before we get there, we're going to start at the beginning of this prayer. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with the power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. If we're going to be people who are empowered by the Holy Spirit, the whole thing begins to be that we are called to be people of faith. And for me, I mean, for the longest time, I think people of faith, you either have faith or you don't have faith, right? Little old ladies, they seem to have this incredible faith. They just trust Jesus so much. They have such peace. They have such calm. They have comfort. They've known Jesus their whole life and they have this peace, which is incredible. It's like they can see God at work. I don't know if you've ever known those little like prayer warrior saints in your life, but they like, they can see God. God. They have this incredible faith. And I thought, man, maybe you just get faith and that's awesome. Or you are a skeptical person, so you don't have faith. But according to this passage of scripture, faith actually is something, it's a gift from God. And it's something that actually requires power. It requires power from the Holy Spirit to have faith, to see God and to see what God's up to. This picture is a picture from the Hubble telescope. And I mean, I love astronomy. I love stars like the next guy. I know the Big Dipper and I know where the Orion's belt is sometimes. Um, and that's about it. But it's beautiful. I love looking at the stars. Really, really smart people for all of human history have looked at the stars. They've peered into the stars. They've been able to tell what's going on out there with math and different things. I don't know any of that. I just go, that's beautiful. But if you would have told anybody a hundred years ago and said, beyond the stars are these nebuluses and you know, these, whatever all that is. I don't even know. If they said that is out there, you'd be like, there's no way all that's out there because when I look, I see stars and that's all that I see. And even the really smart people go, well, based on, you know, physics and all those kinds of things, I can maybe see something's going on, but no one would believe that that was out there. It wasn't until technology, until we could harness certain kinds of power and technology that the Hubble telescope could be launched into the, out, of, out of the atmosphere and could see out into the universe. And the Hubble telescope isn't just this thing. It's not just a picture of a, a lens. I mean, it takes so much energy and power, powered by the sun, that now we can see to the farthest reaches of the galaxy. And we have these incredible pictures. And so we don't have to be people of faith and go, I think there's these cool things out there in the, in the universe. We can see with our eyes because of this technology and because of this power that sees all the way out there. And God is inviting us to be people of faith, to be people who see, who have the eyes that God wants us to see, to see God is alive and that God is at work. 
but most of us have like kind of a, a you know, an old technology version of, of our eyes. We just see stars and we hope that God's out there. And God, through the Holy Spirit, wants to give us eyes like the Hubble telescope to see God move. And the deal is that God has this interactive thing with us where he wants for us to be connected to him. And what empowers our faith is the power of the Holy Spirit. Now in Mark chapter nine, there's this encounter that Jesus has with this, with this man and his son. He's, he's, a, uh, he's a possessed by a demon and he's like, he has these seizures and he's thrown into the fire. And, uh, and this man walks up to Jesus and says, Jesus, you gotta heal my son, you gotta heal my son. And he finally gets Jesus' attention and says, if you can, will you heal my son? And Jesus says, if I can, I'm Jesus. Actually, he didn't say it like that, but that's what I imagine he would say, like, I'm Jesus. But he's, he has mercy on this guy. He says, if I can, all things are possible for those who believe. All things are possible for those who believe. And I love this dad's response. I want this to be my response more and more. He says, I believe, but help me in my unbelief. And I think too many times when we wrestle with faith, when we wrestle with skepticism, we just stop trying, we fold our hands, we sit back and we think, God, you just have to show up. You show up and then I'll believe. And the brutal thing is, is all throughout scripture, everybody who folded their arms said, God, you show up and then I'll believe. It never works out well for them. But the people who humbly say, I want to believe. I believe this amount of a, that of a mustard seed. I have this tiny little bit of faith that I believe. Please help me in my unbelief. And what that means is that's basically us saying, God, I want to be connected to you. And if we're connected to God, God's going to gradually build us, build our strength, build our faith until we can be the kind of people who see God alive and move like those little old lady prayer saints that we know. That's his prayer. Um, I, um, I read this book. It was a romance book, but it was like written in the 50s. So it wasn't really romance. It's like the new Nicholas Sparks movie books, you know, with all like the sassy stuff. This was old school. And a friend of mine said, you got to read it. And I'm not even a romantic, but I'm like, I'm going to read it anyway. And it was incredible. I don't even remember it uh, because it was boring. Lots of it. You know, it was driving around the lake and things like that. But there was this one part that changed me, changed our marriage uh, forever and ever. And the, what, he, what it was, was this idea. These two people, they were so in love. And they said, the, and someone said, why are you so in love? He said, we are so in love because our love is like this rope. We're tethered together by this rope. And life is really hard. Life is really complicated. And things come and they always are tearing away at this rope. And so what we do is we work day in and day out to build strands to this rope. We are committed to always building up our rope by building strands, by doing things together, by, doing, um, by speaking kindly to each other, by doing all the things that are going to continue to knit our hearts closer together. We're building strands. So this rope is so strong and so powerful. And I think that that is what God longs for us for our faith. God doesn't need us to have these huge, awesome ropes of faith. He just says, if you just have this strand of faith, do the things where you can be connected to me so that you can build faith. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, he can strengthen us and make us more and more strong. A couple months ago, I bought this Jeep. And I don't know the first thing about cars. I don't know how to fix them. I don't know how to wire them. Um, I don't know anything about them. But I was talked into it, said you should buy this Jeep. It doesn't work, but... I'm, this friend of mine said, I'm going to help you. And so for the last few months, I've been learning how to work on this Jeep. I like rewired this whole Jeep with this buddy's help. Can you believe that? Me. I didn't even have like a tool set before this whole endeavor. And, um, and so the way it works, right, there's a battery that has all the energy. And then you have all these wires and they go to a fuse box and they go to other places that make the Jeep run. And I'm learning all this stuff. So it, for, it takes for, you know, months and months and months. I finally get all the right pieces to work for the Jeep to start. And I'm like, yes. 
I am a man, finally. And I turn the Jeep on, and I'm driving around town, and I'm just thinking, this is, this is what I was made to do. And, uh, and the next day, I drive all around town until I stop. I go, and I get a coffee, and I'm looking at my Jeep going, oh, I'm so awesome. And I go out to turn on the Jeep, and it doesn't start. Now, I'm not shocked because I don't know the first thing about cars or how to work on them. I'm like, oh, this is obviously something's wrong. So I called my buddy Jake and, you know, he helps me figure it out. And, uh, but it turns out what it was is the power was fine, the Jeep was fine, but all the wiring was messed up. I had just enough wiring to get the right things to work, but because it, I don't know anything about it, this stuff, but it was grounded wrong or something happened, all the energy was being sucked out and it wasn't working cor correctly. Half the fuses were busted. I mean, I didn't care, right? But I think most of the time, that's what we do in our faith. We, we do just enough. We do just enough so that we can have this faith in God and move around. But we're like, but we're not doing the hard work of making sure we're wired correctly. And all of us have wires that are all over the place. We have sin in our life. We have rebellion in our life. Uh, scripture says it this way, that we quench the Holy Spirit, right? The Holy Spirit's this fire. We just douse water. We do all these things that hinder God being able to move in the way that he longs for us to move. He's doing, we do all these things that hinder this faith that God's trying to develop in us. So God longs for us to be these spiritual giants. But the only way that we're gonna be spiritual giants is that we partner with the Holy Spirit. We say, God, I believe but help me in my unbelief. You fix my wiring. You make it right so I can have this faith that you long for me to have. So one, if we're going to uh, be the people that are connected to the power of the Holy Spirit, one is that we have to have power of faith. It goes on in verse 17 and says this, And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all of the fullness of God. What an incredible picture this is. If you want to know God's love, there is no way that you can know God's love unless the Holy Spirit somehow helps you understand God's love. That is how huge and how amazing it is. The closest thing I can even get my head around is the, the love that a mom has towards her kids. Moms love their kids in the fiercest way. I don't know what it is with dads. We love our kids too, but there's something broken in us. I mean, it seems like dads for all of human history have just like left their kids for all sorts of reasons, some good, some not so good, but moms never leave their kids, right? Moms are in it. They love their kids. They are fiercely devoted to their kids. All they do nonstop is pour love and affection on their kids. It is incredible. Now, as a son, there was a moment where I liked being, having a mommy and she cared for me. But then as a man, I'm like, back off, mom, right? Because I'm a man. I do what I want to do. And what's interesting, but don't we all do that? We have these parents who love us. They're the only people in the whole world who actually see us. They don't love humanity. They don't love students. They don't love people. They love you. Our parents love us, right? And a mom loves her kids, but kids, man, we, right, we want to do our own thing. We want to figure out life. We want to get after all that God has for us. We were rebels and we're punks and we do all these things that just sever and crush our relationship with our moms. And our moms, they just sit and they're just brokenhearted about it. They're just so sad. I mean, my mom's so sad because I'm, I don't taller enough, right? Moms, they always love it. And you know that's the case. Like even the sons and, and daughters who do awful things, the mom's always on the news like, I can't imagine my son would ever do something like that. Everyone's like, are you kidding me? But a mom, no, the mom sees it that way, right? And that, the moms love that way because God made that kind of love. That's the kind of love that God has towards us, that he loves us so much. 
But we actually need the power of the Holy Spirit in order to receive that love. Because from the beginning of time, from when we're three years old and, and some other kid takes a toy from us, or we're nine years old and like some kid bullies us, or we're seventh grader and some, someone doesn't res- respond to our affection, whatever the thing is, right? For our whole life, our hearts just get crushed. And we learn that we better just t- lock it down and take care of ourselves because it is too costly to love other people. It's too costly to open up our hearts. And the truth is all of us are just like the Grinch. Our hearts are just three sizes too small. And we do it because we just cannot handle the pain and the heartache it is to extend love and to receive love. But God says, if you want to know my love, you actually have to be connected to the Holy Spirit for it is the Holy Spirit who's going to allow you to experience the love of God, the height and the depth and the breadth. Um, a couple weeks ago, no, I guess it was just this last week, um, our church partnered with Homeward Bound and we did this great ministry where we just loved people. We had manicures and pedicures, um, art cut people's hair. Uh, we had lunch and visited with people and we just had this beautiful time of ministry with, with these people. And, uh, and one of my jobs was I drove around uh, to uh, this retirement community and I, I drove these older people to this, to this place to, so they could get loved on too. And so one of the times like, I have this carload of people, I go, I drop them off. And as I'm uh, wait, ready to go pick up the next carload, this old guy, older guy comes walking out. And he, you know, he doesn't have any teeth. His face is super wrinkly. And he looks at me, he's like, what the hell are you guys even doing? You're doing nothing. This is bleepity bleepity bleep. And all of a sudden I'm like, I'm just driving old people over to get manicures and pedicures. And this guy's just ripping my face off. And I don't like conflict, you know? And all of a sudden I'm like taken back. I'm like, what do I do? And he is like, he saw the fear in my eyes, you know? And all of a sudden he just came after me even more. He's like, you bleepity bleepers, you blah, blah, blah. And he's just going, and I'm like, man, that's a lot of cuss words. I didn't even know they could be strung together like that. That's so great. And, um, and so I'm like, sorry. Like, I'm like, what do you say, you know? And uh, so uh, he throws off the middle fingers at me and walks away. I'm like, oh, geez. So uh, I'm, uh, I, get, I get a cup of coffee and I'm getting ready to go and leave. And uh, I have to go pick up another round of old people, older people. And, um, and I see this guy walking down the street. So I, I kind of, I, so he's, he's walking through out, out of the parking lot. And so I, I walk over, I'm like, hey, do you want to ride? And he's like, bah, like there's so many good cuss words. I just can't say them because I'm gonna keep my job. He's just like, blah. And he's like, if I take a ride from you, I can't be pissed anymore. I'm like, that is a dilemma, you know? And um, so, so he's thinking about it, and I'm like, it's starting to rain, and there's no skin off my back, you know? But it, um, and he's like, fine. He gets in the car, and he slams the door. I'm like, where do you need? He's like, to the bus stop. I'm like, great. And uh, so we're driving to the bus stop, and he's like, oh man, I'm sorry. I've been an addict since I'm 14. And you know what that does to stunt your growth. And I have what people call a difficult personality. I'm like, you're right. <laughs> you're right. But I love it. And this guy, I mean, he's obviously somewhere on this road of recovery that he knows, oh my goodness, being an addict just devastated him. It, it stunted him. I mean, I've known addicts for a long time. I've known people who smoke pot every day since they were 12. And, it, and right, when we are addicted to drugs, it just shuts down our heart. This poor guy, he's 60, but in his heart, he's like 14. He stopped growing emotionally at 14. His heart just kind of went, and he stopped. And he chose to have all these other things be that, were gonna, that, that God longed for a heart to receive in love and affection. He found all these other ways to receive love and affection, and it just devastated him. But the truth is, it's easy to, oh, I'm not an addict like you. Like, what's, what's your problem? But the truth is, all of us, every single one of us, our hearts 
are stunted. We're calloused over. We have these hard hearts and we just have our dukes up ready to take out anyone and to protect ourselves at all costs. And God's like, no, that's not how I made you. I made you to experience my love, to receive my love, to be empowered by my love. I mean, dysfunctional people are people who've never experienced or received love well from others, especially their parents. People who are wholehearted and who are well are people who know how to give and receive love. And God's like saying, all of us are messed up, but through the power of the Holy Spirit, we can be people that can relearn how to love, how to give love and how to receive love. And it begins with the Holy Spirit. Now, most of us, at least me, I'm pretty immature and selfish. I want God to love me so bad. And I'm leaning into him loving me and I'm being transformed by him and God's growing my heart. Like, I don't want to be a a small hearted person. I want to be a whole hearted person. And I want my wife to know I love them. I want my kids to know I love them. I want my church to know I love them. I want people to know I love them. And so I need Jesus. You have to heal me and grow my heart. But what's interesting in the part of the prayer that I always forget is the way that God loves me, the way that he's healing me, the way that he's transforming me, that love that he's pouring out towards me, he has that same love for the person sitting to your right, for the person sitting to your left, for the people in our community, for the people in our world, for the people that we differ with, for the jerks on Facebook, right? God, lo- God loves them with the same love. I get that God loves me. I get that he loves my family and that's about all I can get my head around. But the truth is God loves, loves the world, right? For God so loved the world. He didn't just love me. He didn't just love you. He loves the world that he gave his one and only son. And so when we start, we get to this final part about, man, we are invited to do immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine. We don't get there until we get that we are to have this faith that's connected to Jesus Christ, that we're to have this love that is being shaped and healed by Jesus Christ. Those are things that is our job. It is our job to be connected to the Holy Spirit, to do the hard work, to be where the Holy Spirit is, to be open and available to God, to heal us, to shape us, to change us, to transform us, to be done with sin and stupidness that just continues to crush us. That is our job. And as we do that, God actually has his way in us. And as God has his way in us, Then we get to the good part. Now, to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine, according to his power that is work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. To him who is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine, according to the power at work within us. God's Holy Spirit not only builds our faith, not only expands our heart to give and receive love, but this Holy Spirit is at work. It is this work in in us and is in us for a purpose to do immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine. And what I realized is I have a very bad imagination. Now for me, I can imagine a lot of great things for me. I mean, the very first time I ever read a passage like this, I had to have been 14 or 15 and I was already praying for the certain kind of cars I wanted, the certain kind of job I wanted, the certain girl to like me. Like I had all these prayers that I'm like, if God, if you're alive and you'll do whatever I ask, I got some needs, you know? So for me, I have a huge imagination for me, but I don't think that that's what God's talking about. A couple weeks ago, we took our kids, uh, our middle school and high school kids to Disneyland. And um, just for a quick sidebar, whatever amount of money you give your kids, wherever you send them, they will spend every penny. And some of you poor parents gave your kids hundreds and hundreds of dollars and there's kids eating $80 worth of jelly beans. No joke. 
it ruined my day. But the deal is, kids at Disneyland, they love it. They're at Disneyland. They have no idea that you worked so hard for that money. They're just like, that's all the, that's all the jelly beans I can get? And they're like mad when they're all done, you know? And, um, but uh, that's, they're tired of it because they don't realize all that money came from somewhere. When I take my kids on a trip, we've taken our kids to Disneyland. It's so funny, right? At the beginning of the day, they're so happy, so thankful. They can't believe you're on vacation. They, they love maybe, Dad, can I maybe get uh, um, this to eat? Can I maybe get this shirt? By the end of the day, they're demanding it. Another waffle cone, another blah, blah, blah. I want more hats. Like, you're like, whoa, where'd this, where'd this animal come from, right? And I think for most of us, at least for me, when I think of my prayer life, I'm like the spoiled kid at Disneyland. God, you've been so good to me. You've cared for me. You've done these things for me. I've seen you show up. I know that you love me. I know that you trust me. I mean, I know that you're with me. I, you, I love you. But by the end of the day, I'm so mad. God, why didn't you do this? Why didn't you do this? What about blah, 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 blah. And we just show up and we just get raging. And we're like those kids who have eaten $80 worth of jelly beans. And we're like on this like crazy sugar trip with God. And when I think of God wants us to do immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine, I think the invitation is not that what we can imagine for us. See, Disneyland is a place you go on vacation. You don't live at Disneyland. You work. You have a real job. You have a real life. You have real friendships. You have this whole part of you that you live. And then for a couple days, you might go to Disneyland and do this thing that's really fun. But your real life is here. And I think what God is inviting us to do is God is inviting us to grow up a little bit to quit being the spoiled little kids that only want what we need for our comfort, for our glory, and shape it like, I mean, if I'm blessed and you're blessed, right, God? No. God's saying it's time to go from Disneyland kid, spoiled kid, to being someone who actually partners with God in his work. The mature follower of Jesus Christ is someone who longs for the kingdom to be expanded on earth as it is in heaven. The mature follower of Jesus Christ is someone who longs for the name and person of Jesus to be honored and glorified. The mature follower of Jesus Christ is someone who longs for the church to be honored and to be healthy. And it is a very long leap from the spoiled Disneyland kid to the mature follower of Christ who is about the work of the Holy Spirit. And so when I think God longs for us and can do immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine, I think he's not talking about spoiled Disneyland kid. I think he's talking about partner in ministry guy. He's like, if you're going to be my partner in ministry, whatever you can imagine to be my partner in ministry, ask it and let's get after it together. I reread Acts this week, getting ready for this sermon because everyone's like, God, why doesn't God move like he does in Acts? Why, you know, things in Acts were awesome. The church now stinks. What's the problem with that? And I read through Acts again. And what's incredible is God does incredible things throughout the book of Acts. But all the way through the book of Acts, it wasn't people like, oh, please help me help my life. I mean, there were needy people who were broken and needy and just needed food, healing, like the bare, bare essentials. But the disciples, the mature followers of Christ, they weren't like, I need, I need, I need, I need. The mature followers of Christ were like, in the name of Jesus, so that Jesus would be honored. And they did these incredible things and Jesus was immediately honored. The church was immediately honored, immediately because they were partnering with God in the ministry of God. And I know for me, I just think I, I identify too much. When I read through all the stories of Scripture, all the stories of Acts, I identify immediately with the poor dad whose kid is, has a seizure or the broken person or the, heal, the needy person. And I'm like, God, heal me, heal me. Do this, do this, do this, do this for me. And there is a place for that. And the people who are truly poor and oppressed and have zero, they have incredible stories of God showing up for them. 
But I think the invitation for those, for those of us who long to be people who where God will do immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine, maybe the invitation is for us to be people who are longing to see God work for his glory, not ours. Ooh. Here's where I think myself, maybe you, I know some of my friends in the big bad world and the church have, done, have messed up. I think a lot of people want the world to be a better place. I think very few people are out to just destroy people and things. I think a lot of good church people want the world to be a better place. The bummer is everything happens way too slowly for us, right? We have 60 to 70 years if we're lucky. Some of you more, good job, you're blessed. But right, that's like our, like that, we have this little bit of life. And if that doesn't happen in our lifespan, then it's not worth it, it didn't happen. We don't have God's view of the world. And so we get impatient and we want certain things to happen. And so things have to happen right now for us in our lifespan for it to work. And you've seen this happen where the church has linked itself up with powerful people, powerful organizations, powerful institutions in order to short circuit this stuff and get it done. A long time ago, the, the church did that. The religious right people did that with the Republican Party. They said, we're going to link up with you so that you can get our agenda done, so that you can help this thing because our church is moving too slowly. People are dumb, but you're powerful. If we link up with you, you're going to help get that done. The, the, the religious left is doing that right now with the Democratic Party. They're like, man, we have all these things that we want to see God do and, and, and happen. And the church and people are being too dumb and slow. So we're going to hook up with you strong and political people and you're going to help do that. And what's happened is we have unintentionally put our hope in powerful people and in powerful parties and in powerful institutions. And there's this awful thing. When we have power and fear we're going to lose it, we freak out. We dehumanize, we shame, we cut people down, we crush other people because people need to know that we are in power and our power matters. Or if we're not in power and we want to have power, then we will claw and scratch and do whatever it takes, doesn't matter how illegal or wrong or awful it is, because the ends justify the means, because what we want to get done matters. And I think, unfortunately for us in the church, we have taken the power, instead of having our power be trust in God through the Holy Spirit, we put our power in people and institutions and we are just getting crushed and decimated and the church is being divided and Jesus is not being honored. How wild would it be if every one of your Facebook friends who was a follower of Jesus Christ, however many they are, if you have one Christian friend, great. If you have a thousand, whatever. But if every single one of your Christian Facebook friends, instead of shamed, dehumanized, uh, tore down, ripped apart, spit on everybody who didn't agree with them. What if all of us actually worked together to build towards something? It's so easy to tear something down. It is so hard to build towards something. God longs for his people to not be about power, to not be about a rebellion, to not be about a revolution, but God's people were a movement. We're people who are connected to the Holy Spirit and people who are connected to the Holy Spirit are sensitive to what God is doing in their spot and in their place according to their resources and influence. Every single person in this room has a sphere of influence and a sphere of power and people that God longs to want to be connected to through you. And so when I think, God, you can do immeasurably more than I could ever ask or imagine, what would it be like for us as the church to not imagine power, to not imagine our comfort, but to imagine Jesus being honor, honored, to imagine his kingdom coming on earth as it is in heaven. And I spent this week getting ready for the sermon trying to imagine that. And the truth is my imagination is so small, like I said, I couldn't do it. 
Because all of my solutions, I immediately go to solutions, I immediately go to power, I immediately go to fixes, and I immediately go, the only way that's going to happen is these people have to be crushed. But that's not what God longs for us to do. God longs for us to have an imagination about God being at work in our context through you. God longs for you to be partnered with the Holy Spirit, to not be the whiny kid, but to be the person partnered with the Holy Spirit, to be at work along with God, bringing about his kingdom in the lives of your family and in your colleagues at work and the people you interact with, to how you spend your money and the things that you give money to. That's what God longs for you to do and to be about. And so I was going to give you like seven things to think about, but I couldn't even come up with one. So we're going to trust the Holy Spirit is going to have his way with us. And I want you to think about this one question. Where do you want to see God show up in this broken and busted up world? For the world is broken and busted, and that is truth. Everyone would agree. But our hope is in the living God who is alive and active, and God longs to use his people to actually care for the needs of those that we're connected to. Each of us are made differently. Each of us have different passions and things that, we're, that fire us up and make us angry and get us excited. All of us are different. And God needs all of us in our own different spheres and our own different influences to get about his work. So instead of me telling you, I'm going to offer up a prayer and then we're going to spend about a minute or two being silent for you to ask the Holy Spirit, where are you going to show up in my world? What do you have for me to do? in my world. And then the hardest thing is when God actually goes, hey, what about this? Gosh, like maybe God would give us the strength and fortitude to be faithful to those things. So let me pray for us, and then let's spend a little time being quiet in prayer. Heavenly Father and our gracious God, we long for you to be honored and glorified. We long for you to be worshiped. God, we long for you to establish your kingdom more and more on earth as it is in heaven. And I confess that my brain is too small, my imagination is too small, and I desperately want to fix it in my own strength and my own power. But you've shown over and over again that that is not working well. So God, may we lean into your Holy Spirit and may you increase our faith. May we die to all the dumb sin that is holding us back from encountering you and in and being known by you. God, may we be connected to the power of your Holy Spirit so that we can know and receive and give away the love that you've bestowed on us. And as we grow and become these spiritual giants, God, may we be people who partner with you in ministry for the glorification of your Son. So the things we ask, God, we want to ask things that are immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine. Not for our glory, not for our needs, but for your glory to care for the weakest and the neediest. Grow our minds. Give us an imagination that matches your imagination and then give us the guts to do what you've invited us to do. Let's continue to pray.